Welcome to the Beyond Devices podcast. My name is Jan Dawson. As I mentioned on the Question of the Week episode, Aaron Miller's away this week, so I'm doing these two solo. He should be back next week. We should be back to our normal schedule and format. Um, this is our News Roundup episode. As I mentioned, uh, I already did the Question of the Week episode earlier. That was a deep dive on the announcements that Microsoft made at its Build Developer Conference. And really, that was some of the biggest news of the week. And although there are lots of sort of small, bitty pieces of tech news this week, there were relatively few other really noteworthy pieces of news. So I'm going to focus on just a handful of them. Uh, first off, Amazon announcing its Echo Show, which is its Echo with a screen that's been anticipated for some time now. Um, and also some of the other news that's trickled out around that in terms of the new Alexa calling and messaging features that's, uh, that are coming to the Alexa app and so on as well. Uh, secondly, we'll talk about uh, Snap Inc.'s first earnings as a public company. It uh, obviously filed for IPO earlier in the year and then did IPO during the first quarter, but uh, this week reported its first earnings as a public company and therefore also had its first earnings call as a public company. Uh, all of that was really interesting. And then lastly, and I'll probably spend the least time on this one, but uh, Uber and Waymo have been engaged in this uh, court case or legal battle over alleged stealing of LiDAR technology by Anthony Lewandowski, who left Waymo or Alphabet or Google self-driving uh, company as it used to be. Uh, to create Otto, which is a self-driving truck company, and then was acquired by Uber. And uh, that had a, another sort of milestone this week when the judge refused uh, uh, Uber's argument that the case should be settled by arbitration because that was a clause in Waymo's contract with Lewandowski. Uh, so anyway, we can talk about that in lots more detail, but we'll talk to you about sort of the broader uh, story there. But we'll kick off with that Amazon news. And this, to my mind, other than the build announcements, this was the most interesting news that came out this week. Um, this was rumored for months. Uh, there was even a picture that emerged last week and Amazon formally announced the device uh, this week. It should be shipping at the end of June. It's called the Echo Show. It's from the Echo family, it joins the standard Echo, the Echo Dot and Tap, the uh, Echo Look with a camera. Um, and obviously all the Alexa-powered third-party devices out there. Uh, this one has a screen. It looks in some ways like a miniaturized version of an old-fashioned television. It's sort of screen with a speaker underneath it, quite a big sort of bump in the back, like an old tube TV. Um, also reminiscent of a number of other devices that have launched over the years, sort of, sort of countertop computers and, and video phones and so on. Um, when I... I've used Echo in the past and when I use Google Home today, one of the things that's really struck me uh, compared with, say, using Siri or the Google Assistant or even Cortana on a mobile device is that the lack of visual feedback can be frustrating sometimes and uh, the lack of visual results can also be frustrating sometimes. So there are occasions when you ask something, you get what seems to be a nonsensical answer and you just have, with a pure voice, uh, assistant, you have no idea where things have gone wrong, whether it misinterpreted what you said, whether it accurately heard what you said but misinterpreted the meaning, uh, or whether it just doesn't have good results available having interpreted everything correctly. And so that's one frustrating thing about these pure voice assistants. Uh, the other one is that, you know, if you ask for a recipe or something more complicated, having a huge string of stuff read to you is really not very useful at all. And so having a screen for at least some of that stuff is really useful. And so I've 
been saying since at least last year that these devices really need uh, a screen, at least in one version of them, so that you can get that visual feedback and visual results and so on. And, and Amazon's now done just exactly that. Uh, interesting that it's only $50 more expensive than the standard Echo, even though it has a better speaker, has one more microphone, has uh, the screen, obviously, and a camera. Um, so it's, uh, you know, like the other devices, chances are Amazon's ultimately subsidizing this. Uh, and in some ways, this has the clearest ecosystem benefit of any of these devices because you can literally shop on it. You can see lots of options for things you might want to buy and then buy them from the device. Um, but this does a lot more than just that. And, and clearly they're not emphasizing the shopping aspects because they don't want you to feel like this is just a tool to get them to sell you more stuff, even though that's obviously part of the value proposition from the Amazon side. Uh, but this ha is a video phone and, and a phone phone as well so that you can make calls to other people and in fact, that leverages two new services that Amazon has called Alexa Calling and Messaging, uh, which will also be coming to the other Echo devices and which are also available in the Alexa app, meaning that even if you have an Echo and somebody else you know doesn't, you could still theoretically message them from your Alexa device um, using, uh, as I say, your hardware, but going to their phone at the other end, for example. Uh, same thing with video calling, voice calling. So, you know, you could set up one of these things at grandma's house and then just use the Alexa app yourself and still call grandma on the phone or, or the video phone and, and so on. Um, you know, I think it's a useful addition to the family for Amazon. I think, you know, given the, the low extra cost, and if you buy two of these, it's actually the same price per device as the standard Echo. I think they're going to sell quite well. Um, you know, I think people will find having something like this in their kitchen useful, especially the kind of people that already find Echo useful. So I could easily imagine people having one of these in the kitchen with a screen and then elsewhere in the house having dots or other um, cheaper versions. But again, I can easily imagine people buying two, keeping one for themselves, giving one to a family member or whatever, grandma, whoever it might be, to, to keep in touch in that way. Um, some other stuff that came out this week uh, beyond the, the messaging and calling coming to other devices and apps uh, is that the, the calling feature and messaging feature, there's no way to block people. And so it uses your it uses standard phone numbers as a sort of identifier, which means if you have somebody's phone number and they happen to have signed up, you can call them and there's nothing they can do to stop you. You can message them and there's nothing they can do to stop you from doing that. There's no blocking or privacy in that sense. And so that feels like a, a major goof on Amazon's part and something I imagine they'll fix very quickly now that it's been flagged by various uh, tech blogs. One thing that's worth noting, these aren't particularly attractive devices. They're not awfully ugly, but as with most of the Echo family, they're not particularly attractive. You don't necessarily, you wouldn't certainly buy these things just to have as objet d'art in your home. You know, these are fairly unattractive, fairly functional looking devices. Uh, and this one more than the others will, will take up a fair amount of space in your kitchen. So, you know, you have to be fairly happy to have that kind of thing in your kitchen. And certainly one of the things I would expect Apple to do differently uh, when it gets into the space is to produce more attractive devices. You argue the Google Home is already a more attractive version. It's been criticized for looking a bit like an air freshener, but I think it's subtler and more attractive than the Echo, which feels a little bit like um, sort of a monolith sitting in your kitchen. So that's worth noting. Um, you know, interesting, as I say, addition to the Echo family, I think, you know, what we're seeing is this increasing specialization uh, that we already saw with the Echo look and within the Echo family, uh, as I say, also starting to drift in the direction where they could be more useful, meaningful contributors to Amazon's e-commerce business because shopping on this thing is going to be 
a lot easier and more user friendly and flexible than it is on the voice only devices, which I find for reordering paper towels or something standard where you've either ordered a lot of times before or you're fine with the generic brand. Uh, for other stuff, having a screen is going to make a big difference. And I think that's going to be useful. Uh, but you're also going to be able to watch video on this stuff. And although Amazon's really emphasizing video clips for now, I could easily see a family having these in the kitchen and putting it on while the kids are having breakfast or whatever to, to kind of keep them there and keep them focused on eating their breakfast. Um, you know, lots of uses you can imagine. Certainly recipe videos would be another obvious use case. Uh, you know, looking stuff up quickly. You know, whereas you can currently ask questions and get an answer, you could ask a question and get a video in response that really explains something better than pure audio could alone. Uh, and watching a long video is a lot more palatable to people than listening to a long audio explanation. So lots of uses where I can see this being uh, very handy. So I, I've ordered some just for the purposes of testing. I'm hoping they'll arrive uh, near the launch date of late June uh, and I'll be able to try them out. So I'll share my thoughts on them. Uh, when they arrive, I've bought two just so I could test the video calling functionality. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. There are two versions, a black and a white one. I ordered one of each, so we'll see again how those both look and, and which of them is more attractive. So that's the Amazon news. Uh, the second thing I wanted to talk about was Snap's earnings. And again, uh, when they filed their IPO uh, earlier in the year, we had a we had one in-depth episode on Snap chat the app before the ipo filing so it was mostly about the app and its history we've talked to about the ipo filing in the past and i shared some of my views about the fact that i think the timing was kind of terrible because it came when there was a considerable uncertainty about its growth prospects and things could easily have gone either way this quarter we could have seen a recovery in the growth rate uh, back to where Snapchat was early last year, or we could have seen a continuation of the slower growth rate we saw in the second half of last year. That was easily, to my mind, the biggest single question uh, from a user growth perspective uh, for the quarter. And the answer we got was it's slow growth again. Um, and the stock price was hit really hard, about 25% off after hours. It's recovered a little bit since then. Uh, but that user growth number is one that everybody's fixated on because it's the one consistent metric that Snaps provided for how to measure its business and user numbers and engagement over time. Um, the earnings release itself was incredibly short on detail. There was really no commentary whatsoever in there, no guidance or outlook either. Uh, so pretty unusual in that sense. And then fairly brief introductory remarks on the earnings call which are mostly focused on improvements to the ad products. And so there was uh, a discussion from Imran Khan about who's sort of, I can't remember his title, chief business officer essentially, um, runs the ad business there, uh, talking about what they've done to improve the ad products and automation and, and analytics and various other things. Uh, and then some brief discussion from uh, the CEO, CFO about uh, other product changes and some of the metrics, and that was on to questions. And so it was really the... Q&A portion that was the most interesting part of the call. Lots and lots of questions about that daily active user number, though, um, both in terms of guidance about understanding the trajectory, understanding seasonality, all kinds of things like that, and really very few satisfactory answers from the management team, really no new insight. And really they downplayed that daily active user number, even though, as I say, that's really the only consistent number that they provide on an operational and sort of user engagement basis. They suggested that the real measure is that they want people to use is creation and creativity on the platform. In other words, how many snaps are created per day. Uh, and that's a metric that was in the S1 filing, it was over two and a half billion snaps a day at the time of the, the uh, S1 filing. 
It's now over 3 billion a day, but we don't know whether it was 2.9 and now it's 3.1 or what exactly those numbers are or how that's trended over time. So, um, you know, they haven't provided any of these other engagement metrics anywhere near frequently uh, enough, consistently enough, or with enough granularity to really make those useful gauges of, of how the company's growing engagement and so on. Um, and so it's, it was a frustrating experience, I imagine, for many investors. Um, a couple of other interesting points that came out, um, you know, Snap was asked by Rich Greenfield at BTIG, who's, you know, one of the most interesting financial analysts out there because he's very vocal and contrast to sort of fairly quiet public profile that a lot of financial analysts maintain. He was asked by, by Rich about um, Facebook and competition with Facebook and so on. And, and Evan Spiegel, the CEO, kind of laughed that off and made this comparison about, you know, people copying features and saying just because Yahoo has a search box and Google has a search box doesn't mean that Yahoo's a strong competitor which is interesting because Yahoo's an investor in Snapchat, but even just focusing on that comparison, uh, it's very dismissive. And the problem is, of course, that in that scenario, arguably Facebook is Google and Snapchat is Yahoo because Facebook's a massively bigger, more successful company at this point. And so it feels like an odd comparison felt blasé and rather bombastic to be talking in those terms rather than really addressing legitimate concerns about the slower user growth, which really started around the time Instagram Stories launched uh, which is arguably eaten into that growth. There's really nothing Snapchat's done or said since that suggests that it's anything other than that. And that in turn frames Snap as a company that feels like it's going to dominate a narrow user segment of millennials, um, but not have the sort of mass market broad appeal of something like Facebook or Google. And that in turn limits, you know, it's of ultimate valuation and, and it affects the share price, which is exactly what's happened. Uh, one last point. Uh, is that we got some numbers on spectacles, not sales per se, but revenue numbers in rough terms. And it looks like they've probably sold a little under 100,000 spectacles between Q4 and Q1. So pretty much what we guessed already, this is a niche product that hasn't sold in large numbers. It's not a bad total, um, but you know, $12 million, 100,000 sales, $130 a pop. Um, not a big seller by any stretch of the imagination. So it's a niche product, more experimental than mass market. Um, but, you know, an interesting one nonetheless, and, and one that I imagine Snap will want to build on with, with augmented reality and other features in time as well. Uh, the last bit of news I want to talk about was this Uber Waymo case. This has been going for a couple of months now, I guess. Uh, and just by way of background, for those of you who haven't followed it, there was a, an employee at uh, what's now Waymo, which used to be Google's self-driving arm, is, is now its own separate uh, entity underneath the Alphabet holding structure. Uh, Anthony Lewandowski used to work there. He's had an interesting history. He's been at a bunch of different companies where he's worked on LiDAR. Even while he was at Google slash Waymo, he was always working on his own side projects, starting companies of his own on the side. And uh, Alphabet seems to have given an enormous amount of leeway in doing that kind of stuff. Uh, but he then left Waymo uh, and start, immediately started a new company called Otto, which was making self-driving trucks. And that company was then very quickly acquired by Uber. And what Waymo alleges is that before leaving Waymo, he downloaded massive number of files uh, from Waymo servers onto his personal computer and walked off with those and then took them to Otto and then ultimately to Uber where he used them as a basis uh, for recreating 
the LiDAR technology um, that he had created at Waymo in order to help uh, accelerate Uber's development of its LiDAR technology. And LiDAR is um, sort of uh, light radar, essentially. This is one of the key components in self-driving cars. Uh, it's a, a light-based radar system that kind of looks around and, and measures what's going on around the car. Um, and so it's, it's a key component. It's a very expensive component. There's a company called Velodyne that dominates the third-party market for this at the moment. But uh, uh, Waymo and Uber have both worked on their own versions of it, as have a number of other companies. Uh, and so the allegation was that Uber, which came very late to this market, had, had got started suspiciously quickly in building its own LiDAR. And um, there was an errant email from a supplier at one point that went to Waymo instead of Uber that highlighted the fact that Uber's LiDAR design looked a lot like Waymo's, and that's really what kicked this whole thing off. So long story short, Waymo is suing Uber uh, over the stealing of these documents and then the, the stealing of the technology itself and its use in Uber's LiDAR. Uber, Uber denies that, says its LiDAR is completely different, has a different structure and so on. Um, and Uber's also, to a great extent, tried to push this off on Anthony Lewandowski because the only part that, that Waymo can really prove is that Lewandowski downloaded these thousands of files before he left. Um, so there's been some preliminary hearings in which Uber has argued that the case should be settled in arbitration because Waymo's contract with Lewandowski had an arbitration clause in it, and they argue this is really a dispute between Waymo and their former employee. Uh, and this, the news this week was that the judge finally shut that down. Uh, at the same time, seems to have partially granted the injunction that Waymo was looking for, but we don't know the details of that because it's sealed. Um, it, the judge also referred uh, the case to the U.S. attorney for investigation uh, on a criminal basis. So this is a civil case, but it's now been referred to the U.S. attorney as a possible criminal case as well. Um, so those were the bits of news. And this is just... I mean, it's, you know, wonderful theater in some ways, but it's also illustrative of the way these two companies are approaching this stuff. You know, Waymo has this sort of fairly concrete proof of some stuff, alleges other stuff that's harder to prove. Um, Uber has basically tried to push it off on its employee. It emerged that Uber had issued tons of stock options to Lewandowski the day after he left Waymo, which rather suggests it was planning to acquire his company all along, which again suggests the sort of long-term strategy to hire him even while he was still at Waymo through this vehicle of Otto. So it's a very complex picture here, but it doesn't say much good about Uber and its strategy and its culture, You know, much of which we've heard before over the last few months and something that we've discussed specifically on the uh, podcast before as well. Uh, this is a case that will just keep going. It's now going to be uh, heard in open court rather than in arbitration, which will be in private, which means we'll hear a lot more of the details as the court case proceeds over the next few months. If there's a criminal case, then lots more will come out there. So it's more bad news for Uber in many ways, more sort of public bad news as well, which is something he was trying to avoid. Um, but, you know, nothing too surprising here, given what we've learned about Uber over the last few months and the sort of picture that's emerged of its corporate culture. Um, on that note, I talked to two separate people over the last couple of days who used to work at Uber. I also heard from another one who uh, interviewed there for a senior position and ultimately decided not to take the job, each of whom said that the culture there is absolutely horrifying and, um, you know, no real adults anywhere to be found, you know, really kind of a nasty culture, lack of responsibility, no real interest in, in operating as a responsible company. Um, so yeah, certainly confirmed my perceptions uh, from talking to these three people over the last few days, but a company that's 
um, you know, really going through a hard time. And the other Uber news this week was that its report on uh, harassment and other issues internally will now come out uh, the week of June 5th, which is when Apple's WWDC will also be happening. Uh, but that's the week that report will finally be issued publicly, um, having been issued to executives the week before. So something else to look forward to over the next few weeks in the news with regard to Uber. It should be a busy few weeks. None of it probably all that good for Uber either. But uh, at any rate, that wraps up that bit of Uber news. And that uh, also wraps up this week's news roundup, which is a little shorter than usual. Um, but thanks for listening. Hopefully you found this and the upper, other episode this week useful. And again, next week, Aaron should be back and, and the two of us should be back to our usual routine of going back and forth on some of these topics. So uh, hopefully you'll enjoy that. Have a great weekend in the meantime. And uh, happy Mother's Day to any mothers who might be listening. Um, if you're in the US or other countries that celebrate Mother's Day this weekend. And we'll be with you again next week. Thanks. <laughs>